Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the podcast where we debate movies and literature, and we explore genre fiction through ridiculous conversation and uh, occasional ranting. And then, of course, we drink beer. I am one of your hosts, Clay Vermullum. And I am your other host, Travis Vermullum. Indeed you are. So today, we're going to start, as always, with our Bring Some Culture segment. Travis, what you got for culture? All right. I got one that's, I don't know, they're not, like, independent by any means and not not popular by any means. But I really enjoy their channel, so I'm just going to talk about it. Um, They have, I think, like, over 3,000 subscribers. But go to YouTube and give them another subscriber if you enjoy books, anime, games, tech, geeky stuff. They are called Q and TG, and I think I really enjoy their channel because it kind of reminds me of what we're doing in that they're just two best friends that like talking about books, <laughs> and uh, they have that energy that like kind of comes through of like, yeah, these are just two friends hanging out talking about their favorite thing, which is books and like anime and gaming and tech and geeky things. Uh, so yeah, Q and TG on YouTube. Uh, give them a subscribe. Watch some of their videos. They also read a lot of the same stuff that we're going to be reviewing. Um, I think they go over a lot of like fantasy literature, uh, some horror. Uh, they've gone into like some of the Star Wars novels that I've read, uh, which is always cool to see other people who put those uh, uh, to the forefront. Because you kind of in like TikTok and BookTube you see a lot of the same books like get rotation and Mm -hmm. it gets a little dull. So I always am pretty happy when I see new like stuff that I read that isn't easy to find reviews for, uh, get some, get some like spotlight and yeah. Q and TG great channel. Sweet. Always fun to find those pages like, uh, like ours. (laughs) Yeah, where you can totally uh, get some good beads on up and coming creators and fun artistic projects that are out there. There's always new stuff to find, and any channel that helps you find it is a good channel. Indeed. What did you bring to the table for culture this week, bro? I'm going back to editors. All right. Um, but this editor is a little bit different because. At this point, I actually know her content largely from, like, how she interacts with people on LinkedIn. Um, She's extremely active on there. Uh, She comments on, like, everything. (laughs) I don't know how she finds all these things. But she must devote tons of time to uh, interacting with just everybody on LinkedIn. And she's really awesome. Very genuine. You always feel like you're having a real conversation. Even though you know she's doing this with like a million people. So she's got a real gift for that. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, she's a really good editor, a really good writer. And um, my favorite thing she does is she is always posting these little. So she'll like have a lesson of the day kind of thing coming from a really good editor's standpoint. Like, hey, if you want your dialogue to be better, do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then she'll have the dialogue where it's like, the editor says, the writer says. And it's like a, always an editor-writer battle. And they're mm-hmm. always, like, hilarious. Oh, that's <laughs> um, So her posts are like, I mean, that's why it's so easy to engage with her. Because her posts aren't just, like, sales pitches. 
uh, her info blasting you. They're like fun and engaging, and everyone is like a little story. You like can be there in the room, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really fun. Her name's uh, Adina Edelman. Her website is Edelman Edits, and she has extremely good rates for very high quality editing services. And then she's just a lot of fun to follow on uh, social media. She also has her own hashtag called Mining the Message. Hmm. Um, so I encourage you to check out Mining the Message. And uh, I mean, that's a great way to follow her because she uh, she's always writing really funny, enter- entertaining and engaging content on there. So so definitely check out Adina Edelman at EdelmanEdits.com or as Adina Edelman on LinkedIn. Always good to... Uh, boost some editors especially one who's taking the time to make like a different sort of take on their social media and stuff that's awesome to hear absolutely yeah a lot of them are very like um similar and i mean there's a lot of them that you know tons of editors are doing things really well writing interesting things but adina takes it to like next level in my opinion all right this week we are reviewing not a movie but a book huzzah a movie last week so we'll be doing a book this week and what book is that, bro? That book's going to be The Poppy War. The Poppy War by R.F. Kuan. You already and for know those of you who may be just joining us uh, for the first episode this time, uh, what we do is roll a dice. The lower roll, usually me, has to say uh, that this book or movie is not worth your time. Really just tear it apart. Tell why it shouldn't even be consumed as a piece of art. Whether or not they agree. And the higher role has to do the opposite and defend why this thing is a great piece of art and should definitely be on your list and radar of the next things you go check out, even if they disagree. High roll good, low roll bad. Low roll, Travis, usually. Every time. Every time. Literally every time so far. <laughs> Let's see if the fates have decided to change that. This is episode nine, ladies and gentlemen. And I have not rolled higher yet maybe it'll change here we go probably not what'd you get 14 yeah got a seven (laughs) it's never gonna happen for you at this point the listeners are gonna think that we stage it i honestly am like we don't stage this i am i just it's it's the dm's curse no i would i would love to argue against some of these movies (laughs) even the ones i like sometimes it's more fun to argue the bad points. Oh yeah, you say that, and you've never had to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just a little I'm tired of being on the top of the top oh, of the podium here. You know what? Why don't you just kick us off and get off your high horse there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get off my high horse when somebody can come along and knock me off, boy. All right. All now, right. Uh, Tell let's talk about the Poppy War. The Poppy War. This book is amazing such an awesome addition to the modern fantasy genre there's a lot of things i really liked about it um there's a lot of reasons it was published all over the place and a nominee for the for the nebula i mean it's just fantastically written uh tropes averting but it still stays firmly in the fantasy genre which i thought was really nice um i don't know a lot of play i i feel like it's hard to get out of like the medieval stereotypes because so many people are just firmly logged in them, and me included. If I go into a fantasy story, I usually expect it to be 
swords and sorcery, and I usually don't want guns and stuff involved. But this story did a really good job of putting it in a slightly different time period, you know? It put it in the time period of gunpowder. It put it in the Sino-Japanese War. And that is just a really unique time period and a really unique setting. Things are always set in, like, Europe. Eurocentric. Um, not always. But, you know, all the, like, when you think of fantasy stories, most of them are basically in England, right? Game of Thrones. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything by uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah. Um, the Dritz stories. Yeah, anything Forgotten Realms, that's very, like, Western influence. All, all so Eurocentric. And, like, if anybody's from the East, it's like, <laughs> you know, like in Lord of the Rings, it's like, Oh, yeah, those guys from the East, they fight for Sauron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, great. Um, and this is such a new, fresh fantasy setting. Like, the names, the teachings, everything about it is so, like, Eastern. And it's really refreshing, you know, to be in a different, like, fantasy setting. But you still get all the fantasy elements. And then on top of that, I love, love, love effective uses of deities and i mm. think they're so i don't think they're done very often frankly bad deities are done well often good deities not re not really in my opinion and i like the fact that the gods were not they were human enough to be like realistic gods like the like the greek pantheon the nordic pantheon and the eastern mm -hmm. pantheons they weren't like so all-powerful and like purely good they were like, we're straight up not human, so we got a way different value system than you. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, it doesn't even compare, mm -hmm. and I like mm -hmm. that, because I always feel like we judge the gods based on, like, a human perspective, and it's, in some stories, it feels like the gods let us do that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But not in this story. It's like, nah, we're gods, so... <laughs> Yeah. We do what we want, and we're actually kind of pissed that, that y'all been acting the way you have. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love that I love that the magic comes from shamanism, which is also really unique. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's still similar, like, magic has steep consequences in most fantasy stories. But this one is straight up, like, all the magic is shamanism. It's all, like, warlock. And that's really fun. Yeah. So that's my... That's my ar arguments. Good arguments. Very good. Very fair points. I think my biggest issue with this book was the pacing of it. Um, and the sort of like really drastic tonal shifts she made, um, particularly from the first half to the second. So the book starts, it does have dark elements, yes, but it starts out as this sort of almost like Hunger Gamesy, Katniss Everdeen, Academy female protagonist novel. And it does like subvert some of those tropes, but it still is like in that realm. And when I was first reading it, I was like, this seems like it's just kind of a YA novel that has like a little more edge. <laughs> and then when it hits part two, it's like, oh no. <laughs> this is an A oh, novel. No. <laughs> no, this is not a YA novel. No, I, yeah, so I feel like it was jarring how it was paced. I didn't think she really, like, smoothly transitioned her readers, reader audience into that. Um, 
I thought like you could easily mistake that book for being for a certain age in the first half and like I can see I can see like anger coming from like maybe a, a teenager picking it up and being like oh like here's a passage mom like read that it's fine <laughs> it's, it's like Hunger Games and then like later that same kid is like weeping in her bedroom because of reading like certain sequences that are so dark and so 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 like deeply ingrained in real history mm -hmm. yeah i just i don't enjoy that jarring pace i didn't enjoy that switch from this sort of like ya teenage academic trope right into like real war that was based in the sino-japanese war and like super super dark themes and a and a protagonist that is you you root for her in a way but man she's hard to love sometimes like mm -hmm. and she's she's tough to walk along with to walk the path with mm -hmm. um and that's that's hard um i think you have to have like a certain like kind of disclaimer going into it of like hey this is going to be a person that like sometimes you're you're really going to question why you're following this person um through her journey yeah and i just thought there's some some odd pacing and odd transitions that go on there that i just don't think really were were smooth enough for me i i thought i read almost two completely different novels in one and one was way 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 more dreadful than the other like in a sense of of the themes yeah but that's that's intentional i mean that's before war and then war that's gonna be jarring and i thought that Kwong did a really good job of like making us feel that not just read it on the page but you know we had to feel it it's easy to have all these like high values and morals and ideas of oh i'll never surrender to the phoenix and blah 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 i'm never gonna destroy people just to get what i want i i'm a good person that's all really easy to to talk about before you like watch your friends get killed and watch a city burn and watch an army pillage you know see all the effects of that kind of stuff like see some real trauma again in the poppy war it's not like uh harry potter where you get basically like three books of that buffer zone <laughs> you know where it's like this is still school it's cool there's some there's some spooky stuff happening but and then in like book five, it's like, oh, people die. Or book four, it's like, oh, people actually die. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't mess around with that in this one. They're just like, nope, this is what war is like. You're at a military academy. <laughs> the war is here. Saddle up. And and that would, that would be jarring. And I thought that was excellent because, yeah, like I said, it puts you there emotionally. Like you can see why people get driven to do the things they do in war because – you know, that's why the saying is all is fair in love and war, because people do terrible things. And mm -hmm. they do it because they feel they have no other choice. Nobody wants to be like that. Some people do, but those people, you know, they're a different breed. Yeah. And I mean, I can see that. I, just, uh, I guess the main problem with that is like when you're when you're reading it, it's almost too quick, in my opinion. I mean, like and I don't want that the slow like four book transition that harry potter had and i also like i don't know i don't think her story got upon rereading it as an adult jk rowling's story is certainly not as dark as it was when like we were teens mm -hmm. 
It's still YA. I mean, I remember, yeah, still YA. And this, like, this goes from Harry Potter tone just straight to, like, Game of Thrones red wedding tone. <laughs> it does. And, like, there's, there's, like, a chapter <laughs> in between it. And that's that's tough, I think, for a lot of readers. And that's Beer of the Week. Hey, Beer of the Week. Beer this time. All right. But, uh, I'm going to have to admit, bro, I didn't go find a new beer. Oh, no. I'm not exploring. This week, I just went with a tried and tested loyal beer that I love. I actually just visited the brewery itself uh, this last Saturday, having a Yinling. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. No, oh, man, I love Yinling. I think they're coming west soon. All right. I've heard of them, I feel like. Yeah, I think they're moving west soon. They're America's oldest independent brewery. I think they're they're starting to push westward from the east, so maybe you can have a Yinling. Maybe. Is that like the same as the circus, the, the Yingling brothers? I'm not sure. They didn't mention that in the tour. I'll have to look it up. I don't think I'm gonna so. I'm say probably not if they didn't mention it in the tour. Yeah, probably not, but good beer. Good beer. Good. good. I'm doing this... Uh, Summit View Golden Lager by Single right. Hill Brewing. And, uh, yeah, I've never had a beer by them, but I like Golden Lagers. So I'm I'm still staying away from the IPAs. I have to give myself a little break because I think if I drink too many in a row, I'll eventually just get used to them. I want to find one <laughs> I genuinely like. Not one that you're just like, you got used to IPAs, now you're an IPA guy. I will never be an IPA guy, sir, <laughs> unless I find a delicious right. one. All right. All right. ASMR. ASMR. Uh, Boom. Yeah. All How right. Is it? I'm just. I'm gonna say it's it's good. It's tried and tested. I've had them before. Uh, they're a good like uh, lager. That's what they make is lagers, and they make a porter too. But I'm drinking their lager today. Their classic. It's a solid beer. I mean, if you want a a better beer for around the same price as like a Budweiser, Yinling is a go-to. Mm, always good to know about. Yeah, uh, mine is really good. I, I'm a big fan of Golds and, and White Ales. Those are my two favorites these days. Mm-hmm. It's brewed in uh, Yakima, Washington. So, right. you know, Hops, that's on the on the prairie side of Washington. It's kind of like back home, but if, back, if Cut Bank mm-hmm. was a city, that's what Yakima would be, which is, a you know, which is what it is. yeah but the beer's good so there you have it all right i'm gonna i'm just gonna get this one bro like i jokingly said scooby-doo hurt but this actually like this generally i didn't know how to argue against it this week because i i love this it's really good um oh man is it good it has i i totally lied i love the transition i love how quick it happens because i i agree with mm-hmm. you like i rarely see that in a war story there's always the moment i always get mad at war movies when they have like shoot out shoot out shoot out and then there's like okay we're gonna sit down and smoke cigarettes and talk about our past and what we're looking forward to back home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like how often does that actually happen I can't really speak to it because I've never been to war, but it doesn't seem like it would happen as much as fiction would make us think it it's does. not gonna happen this, it's not uh, gonna happen when it happens in those like ones yeah. you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen right after the battle. I would think people are just freaking shell shocked. And Poppy War is the the pace is a freight mm-hmm. train. And it just goes from I did not lie when I said it's literally like a chapter between like academia to war. Mm-hmm. Like Rin 
is at school and then she's just thrown right into the into the fold Mm -hmm. i do think that the pacing it uh it was one thing i wasn't a giant fan of in Mm -hmm. a lot of places just the places where it like jumped two years ahead you know like there were so many places where it was suddenly like and she did that for eight months but i guess at Mm -hmm. the same time Mm -hmm. like all stories do that they just don't all acknowledge it as much yeah and i i feel like that would that would probably be a lot about like elongated combats like you would have moments where yeah there's fighting going on but like I don't think Arif Kwan is going to just tell us about, like, every small skirmish. No, she's not George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Where um, he knows, like, the battle formations that each army used at each stage of the tiny little skirmish yeah. that was, like, one it's, sentence in his book. We, like, don't, we don't need that <laughs> for her story to, like, really come mm-hmm. together. And, but let's talk about you. You said in your first statement, said the thing i love the most and that is trope subversion Mm -hmm. the academy like female protagonist like the katniss everything theme man this did such a good job of like handling that of like setting rin aside from that trope of like there's a scene i don't even know if i should like describe it because it is very dark but there's a decision she makes in the academy i think you know what i'm talking about that was like oh wow (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. um do you know which one I'm talking about, or should I just say it? Um, spoiler alert. He's going to say it. Skip ahead. Spoiler alert. And also a uh, disclaimer for anybody who doesn't really want to hear like the darker content. Um, this book is very mm-hmm. dark. Uh, it, so if you don't like that stuff, this is not the read for you. Do not read this book if you don't like that. No, it's a realistic perspective but on warfare. It mm-hmm. really is. But the decision that Rin makes in the Academy when she just decides to like like take the potion that's going to like destroy her uterus. Oh, yeah? You were like really I put off like, by that? Well, I wasn't put off. I was like, wow, mm. that is insane. Like, And I have talked to a couple of my like friends and and book clubs i'm in that were like yeah like (laughs) i feel like if i was in her position i probably would have done the same thing Mm -hmm. this is affecting Mm -hmm. my training i don't want to deal with it i'm done and like that is something you would never read in those trope filled Mm -hmm. like ya novels that is where i i first saw like oh this is not a ya book this is not bad no you're right i yeah that decision was huge and Mm -hmm. it was so great because yeah she's a teenager and everybody said it was a good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, the doctor was like, yeah, he was static. like, great. All the women should do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, what a guy! Like, what a guy! And I think too, it subverted the trope of like they kind of teased the whole like Alton and Rin are the last of the the Spearleys, and they're like maybe they'll get together and like repopulate. It's like no, they're not going to repopulate the Spearly race because she can't. I know, have and anymore. yeah, they bring she- it up quick like briefly and then she's just like nah ain't gonna happen <laughs> she's like no that's not what I'm yeah i ain't about. doing that <laughs> i'd like to jump his bones but there ain't gonna be nothing coming out yeah mm-hmm. exactly. yes that was that was good i would say one one thing i would have argued if i got rolled the other side um because i asked you mm-hmm. this i was like did name of the wind come out first or the poppy war um, and that's because the teacher in the Poppy War is just like Quoth's, uh, Quoth's teacher in Name of the Wind. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, that, like, the eccentric professor that's so powerful 
that nobody can do anything about his eccentricities. Yeah, that's Master Elodin in in the name of the wind and and they're like they're they're just about identical yeah the oh, only okay. difference is that uh sorry what's the tutor's name i'm trying to blame Zhang. yeah Zhang. um he agrees to train rin that's the only difference really uh master Elodin just continually tells quoth that he's not even not even close to ready and then there's a great mm. scene in that book where <laughs> he tells quoth to jump out like a third story window he's like if you really want to be my pupil, then you'll just have to trust me. Jump out that window. And Quoth does it and <laughs> gets like seriously injured. I just started reading it, so I'm excited. It's great. To get and that. then Elodin just comes down and he's like, You're really stupid. You can't be my pupil. <laughs> I I like Gion though. I think I feel like again, you talk about like how, how westernized so much of fantasy is. I really like that his philosophy philosophy was like Holy yeah, and that everything he kind of like talked about was very like Confucian, and I, I yes, and it. once he starts training Rin, there he he definitely is very different from Master Elodin. But I have a feeling they're the same kind of teacher because Master Elodin teaches naming, which is just like oh. lore, like the the mm -hmm. art that's basically stupid to everybody at the academy who's who's focused on like hard, basically hard magic like artificing and, but actually like... and uh, symmetry or sympathy I mean um, and even searing but it's like the naming is like once you know the name of an element you can command it and everybody's like yeah sure loaded <laughs> but like for real he's mega powerful you know and so even though he's like <laughs> batty they can't even kick him off um, they're very similar but once he like starts that. training Rin yeah he's very like you said uh, philosophical and very much like this power is a privilege not a weapon and i really like that yeah i can see that and i i really like Gion, but i would i do want to talk about one more thing of this book had a ton of trope subversions that was amazing i love the dark elements it was just harrowing to read the golden nice scene oh man which is i mean i read an interview with uh with her that was in the back of the book and she literally was like i i didn't make much of that up she said i just pulled it straight from like autobiographies about nanjing yeah i mean you don't have to make it up it yeah, was like, no i recognized the source material i've had mm -hmm. to read about nanjing when i was getting my history major so um but it had despite like the trope subversion it had one trope that it, i have i've recently realized is my absolute favorite trope and that is the CK. I love the trope of like the band of misfits who's way more powerful than the rest of everybody else, but they like are so weird and rogue that they don't fit in and everyone hates them. I love that trope. <laughs> like, oh, I yeah. read that up every time. I, it's my favorite. I mean, that's usually who the party is. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. Well, that's going to be a podcast for this week. You can find me at clavermullenfiction.com. I post weekly blog stuff. We post the podcast there. I've got some fiction you can read. And then I write monthly short stories, which are determined by Instagram votes. Um, and all based on my blog. You can read all about it there if you're interested. But long story short, I write about two monsters per month. Then the third week, I have you vote on which one would win in a fight. Then the last week, I write a short story. You can read those short stories on Reddit. I'm Claver Mullum 
on Reddit, and I usually post them on the Short Stories subreddit. So yeah, go check all that out. Come to ClaverMullenFiction.com and grab the newsletter. That's another way to get the monthly short stories. They're in every newsletter. And otherwise, you can find me at LinkedIn as Claver Mullen if you're on that on that platform. Where can they find you, Trav? Uh, Instagram is going to be the main place, uh, at TVMullenOG. I do polls. I don't post a lot, but I always update my story. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, say you were from the Sinister Soup podcast in uh, direct messaging, and I'll add you, and then you can participate in my polls. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Food, music, movies, actors. I also have a TikTok at Tibramolum. It's just book reviews. Not very well done book reviews, but yeah. <laughs> Boy, if you're not sold by that, I don't know what you'll be sold by. <laughs> my TikTok is my my Instagram is for both my inter- own entertainment and the other people's. My TikTok is kind of just for me. I just don't have a lot of people around me who've read the same books as me. So besides this podcast, I don't get an opportunity to talk about them. So I started a TikTok to just share my opinions. Hey, there it is. If you want to hear his opinion on opinions on books, I think they're opinions worth hearing. Go check out the TikTok. And thank you for tuning in to Sinister Soup this week. I've been Clay Vermolum. And I've been Travis Vermolum. And we are both still those people. <laughs>